Good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt, the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship, and we're continuing on in our series. We're talking about the centered life, and what do we stand for here at Centerpoint? What's our mission? What's our vision? What are our values? How do we think? And today, inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline that tells you a little bit how we think, and we are a mission-minded bunch around here. So joining me this morning are two real live missionaries. We caught two of them, okay? Um, they're right here with me. Uh, uh, Nathan and Juan are with us. Nathan Alpert and Juan Strutton are here, and they're with Yugo Ministries. And tell us what Yugo is, Nathan. You're the president. What is Yugo? Yeah, first of all, I just want to thank you for this opportunity to be here. And sure. our desire today is really just to open up a dialogue and have a conversation about what uh, mission-minded life looks like. Yugo Ministries is an international missions organization. Um, we're, we are 87 people from all over the world who have gathered together to reach out to Mexico and the world through the gospel of Jesus. We are um, basically divided into outreach, evangelism, discipleship, and orphan care. Uh, my job is to lead the ministry, and Juan here leads our orphan care division. Yeah, Juan, tell us about what is, what's involved with orphan care. What does that look like? Well, specifically uh, within the mission of Hugo Ministries, orphan care is just about obeying the command that God gives us to defend the fatherless. And so through all of our um, outreach and our pastoral ministries, we uh, are always seeking to serve the fatherless through those, working through the local church. And so this morning, we're going to talk about being mission-minded. It's not just thinking about Mexico, per se, and the needs of people there. It's thinking about needs of people everywhere. When I'm at home, when I'm on a trip, when I'm praying for people in other parts of the world, just constantly focusing on, hey, what does God want us to be doing? So we're going to talk about that with you this morning. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll jump right in. Lord, I want to thank you for the time with Nathan and Juan this morning. I pray that you will bless our conversation. God, I pray that today you will speak and move us out of the way. If you'd like to be challenged this morning in some important way about being mission-minded, about being focused on what God wants you to be doing this week with your life and with your time, you just pray right now and say, God, would you challenge me? Just silently, right where we are, would you just pray, God, would you challenge me? Well, Father, we've gathered here so you can speak to us. So, Lord, we're looking forward to what you're going to say. We pray these things in the wonderful name of Christ. Again, Lord, move us out of the way. Amen. Point A on your outline, if you need a pen, uh, raise your hand or ushers bring one to you. Point A, A on your outline is simply this. God's given all of us a mission. Inside of your bulletin, it talks about our mission, our vision, our values, and the heartbeat of our mission here about starting sites, of going and being a multi-site church and going out and reaching people who don't know Christ comes from the Great Commission. It's printed here. It's printed on the jacket of your bulletin. It's also printed in the outline here. And it's from Matthew 28, some of Jesus' final words to his disciples. And he said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Nathan, I'll start with you. That's not a mission just for full-time pastors. or a, uh, That's not a mission just for full-time missionaries. That's a mission for every Christian, right? Right. Let's start to try to redefine that word mission. And instead of thinking missionary, Hmm. instead of thinking someone else, someone over in Africa, let's think about ourselves. (laughs) You know, I'm reminded of the old show in the movie Mission Impossible. Every episode started with, this is your mission, should should you choose to accept it? And I want to start changing that dialogue that we're having about missions and start to think about it as our mission. What really is the purpose that God's left us on this earth, and that's our mission. Yeah, but your bulletin will not self-destruct in five seconds. Okay, anyway, uh, but, but one, it is something that God has commanded us to do 
to go out. And right now, I mean, give us a little bit on this. Uh, let us know a little bit about your thing on this. When you see the needs of some of the people, the kids that you minister to there in Mexico, I mean, why would we ever want to not go? I mean, right? I mean, this pulls at your heart. Yeah, you know, we minister to about 30 kids um, at the children's home that we are, are running, but there are 3,000 kids in the state of Baja, California, that are under the care of the Mexican Social Services. The, the government has the ability to care for about 600 of those kids. So the other 2,400 kids um, are in homes like ours, but there aren't very many homes like ours. They're, you know, different levels of homes, and so the need is, is great. And, you know, the, the church is the way that we try to fulfill that need, but it's not the church, the Mexican church, the church, the local church. It's the church, the body of Christ coming together with a missions mindset to accomplish this mission impossible that's actually possible. And so that's why we go to point B. God expects all of us to be mission-minded. Please underline mission-minded there. Mission-minded means I'm thinking about this, not just for an hour on Sunday, not just if I happen to go on a mission trip for a week and then forget about it when I come home. This is about thinking about this all the time. This is what drives me. That's a mission-minded person. A centered life would be a mission-minded life where it's not only, hey, I want to obey Christ in my life. I want Christ's priorities to be my priorities. Listen to how Paul talked about this. Acts 20. He was on his way to Jerusalem to deliver some money that he collected for people who were struggling with a famine. Everywhere he stopped, people told him, um, hey, there were prophets there who had told him, you're going to be imprisoned because of your faith and other things. And this is what he said. Look, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. I mean, imagine that. If he said, hey, my life isn't about fun. My life isn't about money. My life isn't about power or things. My life is about telling people about Jesus. And that's what God wants. That's what it means to be mission-minded. That we're constantly thinking about, how do I serve people in the name of Jesus? How do I love people in the name of Jesus? How do I tell people about Jesus? And I think that's kind of the heartbeat what started Hugo, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's important for us to look at today, not only from a Hugo perspective, but just here, here in the River region is, why aren't we mission-minded? What are some of the things that are standing in our way of being mission-minded? And um, it's amazing some of the statistics that we look at, not only in Mexico, but here. And, and uh, I think our first point in our outline is that we don't know how big our mission is. We just, it, maybe some of the reason why we're not mission-minded is we don't know how big it is. And I just want to tell you this morning, and we're passionate about this, is that there is a huge need out there. We talk about, um, those, those of us that are in missional circles, we talk about this thing called the 1040 window. And it talks about the unreached people. And we kind of have the U.S. put as a reached people. And we have the Mexico as a reached people. But guys, the majority, the vast majority of the U.S. and Mexico is lost, dying, hopeless, and on their way to hell and in need of a Savior. And we're here to passionately tell you how great that need is this morning. Yeah, so I want to get it exactly right here. One A blank on one A there is we may be unaware of just how big our mission is. Mm. Uh, it's, we just Maybe we haven't embraced the urgency of it yet, like what Nathan was talking about. Jesus said this, Matthew 7, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. Its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Jesus said that. Listen to what else Jesus said, Luke 10. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. And Juan, you were talking about before all the kids 
that are on waiting lists and stuff like this, and that's just in one part of Mexico, right? Yes. I mean, you could go, the need is great everywhere. The need is great everywhere. You know, I was talking about the state of Baja California. That's just the northern part of that peninsula that you'll see on the map out in the, in the lobby. And so in all of Mexico, the need is, is, is tremendous. In the world alone, they say, depending on how you define orphans, there's 140 million orphans. Yeah, I mean, if you let that number sink in, and you were telling me before, if you divide out all the people who claim to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ versus all the people who are in full-time ministry, well, what, were the, what was the ratio, 50,000 to 1 or something like that? Yeah, if we're so radical to believe that every single person deserves to hear the gospel, and you just took the people who are in full-time ministry, each person in full-time ministry would need to witness to 50,000 people in order for the gospel to go out. So obviously we're going to need help, and the church has to embrace the mission. Yeah, and so some of it is, even why we're having this conversation today, is to make us more aware. If we're going to be mission-minded, a lot of times I'm just unaware. I get busy with life, and that's part point B. Also, we can just be apathetic or distracted. I mean, we can get distracted by our job. We can get distracted by relationships. We can get distracted by football. Okay, I'll just move on. Shouldn't talk about that. Sorry. Uh, Romans 13, though. But think about this. But make sure you don't get absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-to-day obligations so that you lose track of time and doze off, oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn's about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. This is Paul in Romans 13. He says, hey, how much time do you have left? I mean, what are we doing here? And why would we be caught up with so many things when there's, if God's mission is to be our primary mission, well, then we can be pretty apathetic about this thing. In fact, one of the reasons why we love partnering with an organization like Yugo is they offer short-term missions experiences where you go down for a couple of uh, days, for a week, and you help uh, build some houses for some very needy folks. And um, can we show a couple of those pictures here? These are some pictures my um, wife and two of my sons went on uh, an experience with um, Yugo. If we go back to that first slide, what you can see is we built some houses. And, and these are not big houses, right, Nathan? I mean, how many square, foot, how many square feet? Yeah, 16 by 20, 320 square feet. Right. And so these are ordinary people, uh, my sons, other, my wife, some other folks. We're all building this house together. Yeah, there's uh, my son Evan, my son Graham. And we framed the house. We side it. We put a roof up. We put wiring in it. Paint it. And within four or five days, because you have all the supplies ready, the slabs already been poured, I mean, th- there's a completed house. And uh, I mean, right? Yes, absolutely. The easiest thing you'll do, but it's very impactful. And so we do all this together. Let's go to one more. And then you see all the people standing here on the steps in front of a completed home. This is at the end of the week. I'm the guy at the top of the steps in the floppy hat, in case you're wondering. But, but the whole idea here is that in the middle, there's a family, and this changed their life, right? I mean, what difference does it make for that family to have uh, a roof over their head and a clean floor? I mean, this is just three rooms, no indoor plumbing, just basic electricity, but they're grateful because it'll change their life, right? Yeah, we found through a lot of research that just getting a family up off a dirt floor and onto a concrete floor within the first week reduces stomach viruses 33%. So you immediately see a physical change, but the spiritual change that it opens them up to cannot even be measured because week after week after week, we see people coming to another Lord, just like Juan and I were talking about. Um, they ask the question, why? These dads they have no ability to provide for their family. They would never be able to build a house for themselves. At the end of the week, after we've poured our hearts out, after you've poured your hearts out, and built this house, they say, 
why would you do this? Why would you love me this much? But you know, each night after we work on that house, we come back to um, one of your locations there, a campus that you have where there's a dormitory, a place to eat. We have a time together of worship, and then we even break up and discuss. And each night, those discussions are really rich and meaningful. And over and over again, this awareness thing that we're talking about is what uh, is what really snuck up on me again. Every time I go on a mission trip, I always think I'm going to help other people, and then I'm the one that gets awakened to all kinds of... I mean, you guys find that common, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> guys, we live a distracted life, um, and it has become our priority. And Juan and I would raise our hands, and John would raise his hand. It becomes our priority, what we've got to do every day. And we get really distracted. And so here's an opportunity to get down and get completely focused on the mission at hand um, in Mexico. Um, yeah, we come back every evening and we do. We point you right back to why are we doing this? Let's not be distracted. Let's remember our mission should you choose to accept it. And you call it what, the best kept secret? Yeah, the best kept secret and uh, the worst kept secret <laughs> in all of missions is that you go to bless others, but you get the blessing. A lot of people know that. That's why we call it the worst kept secret. But 50% of what we do is to get these people into a house, to get these kids adopted, to get these people loved. But 50% of what we do is provide you an opportunity to go and let God change your heart like he did ours. Yeah, so if anybody ever asks you, well, why do you take mission trips? Why wouldn't you just send money down there? Then they could give people a job in Baja. They need the job. They could build the houses cheaper and faster. And then we don't even need to go. Well, that's the whole point. I mean, that's one of the big uh, goals is for us to wake up because you go there and all of a sudden now we're having discussions on a Tuesday night. We've been building a house in a neighborhood and we're aware of the needs in the neighborhood. Some of the kids are playing with local kids. All of a sudden there's two dozen kids running around <laughs> playing and you become aware of all the needs there. And so often we just go to work, go home, go to work, go home. And we're more aware after two days of the needs of the neighbors around this house we're building than we are of the needs of the people who live right behind us at home. And Juan, you were telling me even the awareness continues for some people. That's transformative. You got a phone call after you got, when you got off the plane coming here, right? Absolutely. Tommy, if you want to throw up some of those pictures, um, at the children's home, we have about uh, 30 kids, but about 17 of them are teenagers. And so um, raising teenagers. But when you guys come on a, on a trip to visit um, our kids, you end up establishing relationships. And I got a phone call from a gal uh, coming from the airport uh, on Friday evening. And she had said, hey, I, I came down and, and I got to know uh, Valeria. And um, she's in high school about to graduate in about a year and a half. And she just said, does she have any chance to go to university? And uh, I said, yeah, we're praying about that. Could she come to the States and go to university? I said, Lord willing, yeah, absolutely. And she said, I'd love to open up my home. I'd love to help her. And that's Valeria there in the red with the glasses in the center of that photo. Um, I'd like to help her uh, go on to, 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 to do that. Valeria wants to be a dentist. She's been helping out in our dental lab at the children's home as an assistant to my father-in-law. And so she's got a heart to be a dentist. And I said, you know, that's great, but uh, praise the Lord. You're the third person who's called me about her with this very same question with this desire to help put her through college in the States, to host her, to provide a home, and to help provide for tuition. I said, I'm going to have to do some sort of auction or a bidding war for you guys. <laughs> yeah. But it happened because she came. It happened because she came down, and she established this relationship. She met Valeria, and I guarantee you, you meet our kids, you can't help but fall in love with them. And that relationship then comes back here. 
and it transforms what you do and how you live your life here. And that's the goal of, of, of Hugo Ministries. Yeah, so why do we care about short-term missions? Why is there a flyer for missions in your bulletin? We want you to go. Why do we want you to go? We want you to go so you and I can wake up and become aware. You'll come back changed. You will, but you got to go. We'll help you. I want you to meet guys who've been changed because this whole experience has changed them too. And that brings us to the next point. To be mission-minded, we need to make our mission our top priority. I'm just going to get these first two. And then Juan, I'd like you to comment on this because some of our discussions earlier, this is, I think this would be an appropriate place to share a little bit of your testimony. First of all, point A, we must give our mission. That's the great commission to go tell the whole world priority in our time. We must quickly carry out the task assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming that no one can work. Jesus said that. I mean, how long am I going to put this off? If I'm going to be a, if I'm going to go somewhere, when am I going to go? If I'm going to start being generous, well, when? If I'm going to start praying for people around the world, when? We must give our mission, this is point B, we must give our mission priority in our treasures too. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them, rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And so Juan, I'd like you to talk about this because I think those two things, either time and your treasures, this really, this is how the Lord spoke to you, right? Absolutely. You know, I was in uh, my ascending church for 12 years worth of Sundays, sitting in the same row, about back that way, at over about three seats, three, four rows from the back. I sat in the same seat for 12 years and just really asked the Lord, Lord, what more do you have for me? And he said, well, I've got a lot, but it's going to require a little bit of you. And um, the first thing was, was my marriage. He said, you're holding on to things in your life with this white-knuckled grip, and I need you to let them go. If you want to receive from me, you've got to have a hand like this. And so you need to start praying with your wife. You need to start leading your family spiritually. And the fruit of those steps led to the last request that the Lord made was, I need you to give me your finances. You live in this beautiful home. It was the home that my wife and I were going to see our grandkids grow, and we were going to grow old in this home. We were never going to move again when we bought this house. And that was eight moves ago. <laughs> but it was that, that offering of my finances and trusting him with that that allowed us to, we had to sell that house. He asked us to sell it. And we sold it, we made some money on it, and then we were able to give. And that gift that we made was to a children's home in Tijuana that I had never heard of, but a friend of mine said, hey, you need to give to this orphanage. And so we gave to Grace Children's Home not knowing what the Lord had in store for us. But here we were now homeless, sort of, in between homes. We had given to this ministry, and where our treasure went, our heart followed. And we mm. felt the Lord call us to come and, and serve in this ministry. Because we had acted in obedience, we were able to. We weren't tied down by the finances, by the house that we couldn't afford, that we absolutely loved. And so that one step of obedience is what led to us entering the mission field. And I, like I said, I was sitting in the, in the, in the, the back fourth row, working in corporate America, living in North County, San Diego, living the American dream, whatever that might be, but what you guys kind of understand it to be. And just asked one question of the Lord, Lord, is this it? And his answer has transformed our, my family's entire life. And if you flip your outline over, there's another consideration here. Uh, if the mission, the Great Commission, is our first priority, if we're mission-minded, like we're thinking about this all the time, like we should be, 
our time, our treasures, also our talents. That's point C. We must give our mission priority in our talents. Uh, when Paul was talking about the church and how it's structured, he said this in Romans 12. If your gift, spiritual gift here, is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God's given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, then do it gladly. And Nathan, I mean, you're the president of Hugo, so you've got leadership ability. He's using that, you in that area. But where'd you come from? What's your story? Yeah, so Hugo has a staff of 87 people, and I am uniquely unqualified to lead those 87 people. Amen. But our staff is made up. Of, oh, yeah. <laughs> but our staff is made up of people that have come from all walks of life, from all over the globe. I mean, these are people that the Lord has transformed their lives from architecture, from painting, from teachers, from hammer swingers, from preachers. You don't have to be any certain mold to be a missionary. I had a contracting business, a janitorial and carpet cleaning contracting business in Montgomery for years and years before I um, was challenged to go into ministry. But the Lord called us out of that, and he called us to go do that. Um, my main point here is that is, is talking about your talent. We're talking about making these things a priority in your life. We believe and teach that God has birthed in every single one of you and every single one of us unique talents and gifts that he specifically designed to be used for his kingdom. And I think about 95% of the time, John, we're using those for our kingdom. And I want to challenge you guys this morning to think about making your talent the priority of the mission. Think about that this morning. Yeah, I mean, it's even really fun when you go on those trips because you show up at the work site and... They have a foreman there. All the supplies are there. The paintbrushes, the hammers, the nails, the wood, the shingles. Everything is all there. And then, you know, we all sit and go, oh, my goodness, I don't know how to do this. It's not his talent at all. No. no. But what's so fun is, is to see everybody, if we just use what we have, it's amazing what God can do with it. And then what's really incredible is, is you hand over the keys to this house when you're finished to a family and standing alongside that family are some people from a local church there in Mexico. And this gets really exciting for me. And so there's another picture of me with one of the local pastors. You'll see we were like separated at birth. We're almost identical twins. It's amazing. Me and uh, Pastor Angel. And um, yeah, we were rehearsing for a, a play of David and Goliath. Anyway, uh, uh, Angel, the, he is not... A really tall guy, but he's doing some big work for the kingdom because what he and I'll let you tell him how many, I'm not sure how many pastors are involved in this, but every time that Hugo builds one of these houses, the family gets connected to a local pastor who's going to bring them into their fold, into the flock. And so these people get connected spiritually, and you can tell them about the community where on hell is, but we went to a Wednesday night service there and got to worship with them. And there are all kinds of families involved there now. The Hugo house. Was, gave them an incredible blessing. It also gave a direct link for that pastor to have a, an outreach into that little neighborhood or that section of the city. So why don't you tell them a little bit about Angel and the ministry he has there? Yeah, that's a great link to our, to our next point. But yeah, just to tell you about Angel. So Angel is a, one of 53 local pastors that we partner with. And their church, Arque de Noé, is that how you say it? Noah's Ark Church, in, in, is in a, an area called El Cañón de la Buena Vista, the, the canyon with the beautiful view. The locals call it El Sorio, which means the skunk. And you can imagine if the locals call it the skunk, it stinks, it's run down, it's a really poor area. But Centerpoint, 
has partnered with Noah's Ark Church and Pastor Angel, and you guys are reaching directly into that community and coming alongside him. You guys have built more than 15 houses in that community. You now have a neighborhood popping up that is a center point built neighborhood where these people are now part of the church with the hope of Christ. So you're partnering with Angel to really reach this community. Yeah, and these guys, when they reach them, I mean, they, they do meals for them, if these folks, because some of them are like, I mean, a subsistence income here where they'll have meals for them when some of these people show up with, they hadn't had anything to eat that day. And they'll have a worship service, and that'll be a big part of it, is there some food? And when we're talking about meeting needs, I mean, drinking water is a need. I mean, some of these folks, before we build that house, I mean, they're living in cardboard and tarp shacks. Is that not right? Yeah, they're, they're living in a lot of cardboard, a lot of tarps. And one of, the, one of the biggest things we find, and this is really where Juan comes in, is that a lot of these are single moms. And they've got DEEF, which is the juvenile services, knocking on the door saying, you can't keep your kids in this. And kind of explain how that works with Orphan Care. Yeah, and so the moms will be in a, a spot where they, they don't have the means to provide a home that's safe to the government standards. And so the government is there saying, you got to do something about this. And, and, and so when you guys come down and you guys build this single mom and her four kids a house, you're allowing her to keep her kids. And so in our orphan care department, we call that orphan prevention. It takes those kids and keeps them from being added to the 3,000 that are already in the system. You're keeping them out of the system and working alongside the local pastors to keep those kids in their family, which is the heart of our orphan care ministry. Okay, so now let's think about this from on Hell's point of view. He's a local pastor. There's an organization like Hugo he can partner with. There are people that come in, help build these houses, and then that family's tied in his church. Now look at point three. To be mission-minded, we need to view our mission as a lifestyle. For Angel and these guys, this is their lifestyle. Their lifestyle is to reach out to these families. Their lifestyle is to provide food. Their lifestyle is to try to keep a mom and her kids together. That's their lifestyle. What if that was my lifestyle? What if that was our lifestyle? I want to meet somebody's needs. And they tell people about Jesus. I mean, all the time, right? I mean, these guys are not shy to tell people about Christ. And they were doing that there. I didn't understand a word they were saying, but I was praying for them, okay? <laughs> and um, one of the things that we need to understand is on point three A is we, you and I must look for opportunities to proclaim the gospel. And point B, we must look for opportunities to demonstrate the gospel. I mean, that's what it means to be mission-minded. Do I got a chance to tell people about Jesus? Do I got a chance to live out my faith? Let me read Romans 10, and then Nathan, I'd love for you to comment on this. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but how can they call on him to save him unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. And Nathan, it's a, this passage has a lot of meaning to you. Yeah, thanks for giving me that because that really tees me up to be able to share with you what, what the reason why I exist. This is my heartbeat. This is my passion. You know, demonstrating the gospel and being able to verbally proclaim the gospel is our mission. That's our mission. You know, you look in Romans 5, 8 when, when, when the Bible talks about God demonstrated his love for us in this while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. And what, what happens is 
at Yugo, we're passionate about giving you an opportunity to demonstrate the gospel and then speak the gospel like this Roman passage is saying. Look at Jesus' example all throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the gospels. How he went into a town and he not only opened up his mouth and he shared the gospel, but he also met people where they were and met their physical needs. It's all about a demonstration. If we can give you an opportunity to do that, we've done our job. Yeah. And so we want to proclaim the gospel. We also want to demonstrate it. First John 3, John uh, wrote this later in his life. He said, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. I mean, John had watched Jesus die on the cross. Some come back to life again on Easter. So we also ought to give up our lives. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, well, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say we love each other, but let's show the truth by our actions. And one, that's what happens when uh, a child is taken in and adopted and other things. I mean, you're a part of this all the time. People are demonstrating with their actions, uh, like this person who called you and other things, but that's, that's real. Absolutely, and, and our heart is to place kids and families. Um, our children's home, while it's wonderful and we love the kids, um, I'm basically a dad to 17 teenagers. And that's not a real good model Amen. because I can't be a dad to 17 <laughs> teenagers. Those of you who have one or two, I have three. Um, they're uh, in addition to the 17. And, and so we know that placing kids in families and getting families, well, where do we find those families? We find those families when we go and meet with Angel and we say, Angel, we've got these kids. Do you have a family that you that might be doing a little bit better, that might be able to take in one of them and, and, and foster them. And so we're in the process right now of doing that, of making that ministry real in the local church. And so this is why we want to constantly challenge you to go on missions experiences. In your bulletin, there's things. We have missions experiences this next year scheduled for Nicaragua, Mexico with you guys, Honduras, Peru and Atlanta. And you go, Atlanta isn't outside the country. No, but you're going to be working with, we're going to be working with Restoration Atlanta alongside homeless people. I guarantee you it's going to push us out of our comfort zone. And it'll be a different part of the, a different subculture here in America that will really challenge us. What if this was our lifestyle though? And, and what if when we went on these trips, this was a springboard into causing us to wake up, to think differently about everything? See, that's the last point of our outline. To be mission-minded, we need to listen and obey. If you and I are going to be mission-minded, we can count on the fact that Jesus is going to challenge us in some things. So let me go through these three real quick, and then I want you guys to comment again. God may ask us to sacrifice our comfort. That's point A. Point B, God may ask us to sacrifice some finances. And point C, God may ask us to sacrifice our plans. Just cross out may on that one and put will. (laughs) I mean, it's the old joke the rabbis used to tell. You want to hear God laugh? Tell him your plans. Okay? Because that's the way life works. When, when you and I set out our own agendas, the Lord goes, no, no, no. I got something much better for you. If you'll trust me and, and one what you're talking about, if you'll, if you'll open your hand on this, if you give me the things I ask you to surrender, I'm going to put things in your hand and adventure in life that will have no equal. But Nathan, that's right, that that when we have a message like this, this is meant to be something that challenges us, right? Yeah, I want to challenge you today with what one of our Mexican pastors challenged me with. 
And this is uh, talking about how we're going to have to sacrifice some of our plans and some of our finances. Mexican pastor challenged me and he said this. If, he said, Nathan, if I walk down here to this golf course, the local golf course, and I bought all the clothes and I bought the visor and I bought the nicest clubs money could buy and I joined the club, checked the box, signed in, am I a golfer? And I said, no, you'd have to actually play to be a golfer. He said, so if I did all of those things exactly right, but I never actually stepped on the course and golfed, I would not be a golfer. And the challenge is this. If we're a Christ follower and the mission of the church has no place in our priorities, it's not a priority of our time and it's not a priority of our money, are we truly following Christ? If we've placed the mission of the church as a, something that we'll do in our spare time, are we truly following Christ? Lastly, I think it's going to cost us some comfort. Now, I asked Juan to talk about really one of the most beautiful pictures of the gospel that really costs us some comfort. Absolutely. And, and you know, one of the, the last things in, in our heart in placing kids and families is through adoption, is doing it permanently. And so we're working with the government to make those foster situations, uh, make them permanent in, in adoptions, but also working internationally. And um, I know that message is not lost on this congregation. You guys have have heard that and you live that out, but it is a sacrifice of your comfort. Those of you who have gone through it or are going through it right now, you know that God has called you to do that, that God has called you to give up a little bit of your comfort, to give it up a little bit of your time and, and your talent and your treasure and to fulfill that mission. And that mission, you know, from my perspective is placing kids in families. And so that's at the heart of what we believe in orphan care in Mexico should be, and that's what we do at Hugo Ministries. But the beauty of that is, is while, it, while it, it, it is a sacrifice and it does cost you something, there is an immense blessing that God gives back. This side of heaven, but I can't even imagine what the blessing will be for those sacrifices when we see him face to face. And I'll just wrap up then with this reference from Matthew 6.33. Here's a promise from Jesus. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously. And he'll give you everything else you need. I'd love for you to have a chance to, I want you to take the opportunity to contact these folks. For those of you watching on video and things, you can find out all about Yugo on our website. We'll have links there. And it's, uh, I guess, yugo.org, right? That's right. And you can look them up and find out more about it. But I hope that you'll consider going on a trip. Uh, on any of these because they're life-changing but more than anything i hope that today this has challenged each one of us to be more mission-minded would you pray with me please lord i just thank you so much for Hugo. i thank you for juan i thank you for nathan i thank you for the ministries that you have given them to uh, needy kids and needy families and work alongside pastors in mexico and alongside pastors here I thank you for the opportunity we have to go and partner with them. I pray that you will uh, bless their work. And Lord, that every single person who participates will come home challenged and more mission-minded than they ever thought possible. Just a moment of silence. If the Lord spoke to you about something while we were talking today, if the Lord challenged you in an important way this morning, would you just acknowledge that and say, God, I heard you. I heard what you said. And help me obey you. Give me the strength and the courage to obey. If the Lord spoke to you about an attitude that needs to change, something you need to surrender, something you need to do, 
would you surrender it now? And say, God, if you help me, if you give me the strength and the courage, I'll follow you. We thank you again, Lord, for hearing our prayers. We thank you that you're always more ready to listen than we are to pray about anything. And so we pray these things together. And we know this is the center of your will because this is your mission. Please, please, Lord, keep it front and center in our lives. We want centered lives. We pray these things in the name of Christ our Lord.